0: Yeah. So it didn't quite pop. And then they didn't give him either anything likable or anything that mysterious, even like mean characters are like, like, oh, they can be a little sexy because they're like, gosh, she's so mean or like, or or there's some mystery, you know, and he was just like, you know, I'm going to walk around and I'm going to walk around some more and
1: Want to listen to this Ivory Tower Boiler Room or True Crime and Academia episode ad-free? Head on over to our Patreon where I'm giving you all seven days of a free trial. So P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com backslash Ivory Tower Boiler Room. And if you join the ITBR professor level, which you'll see, gets you access to all of our rewatch podcast series like Queer as Folk and Smash, and all of our Teaches series, including when we re Scream with you all, when we discussed The Exorcist. We're about to do a Britney Spears memoir episode. So, oh, and The Fall of the House of Usher is coming up. You also get access to both book clubs. And while you're at it, while you're joining our Patreon, where you're getting your seven days for free, I would really love if you Make sure you like and follow us on Apple or Spotify, and please leave a review. It really does help us in terms of advertisers and sponsors. Thank you all for listening to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room Network, and it's just wonderful to be part of this arts and culture organization and have you all out there reach out to me. So again, remember, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Ivory Tower Boiler Room, And we have a Facebook and we're on X as well. Enjoy this episode, everyone. Hi, this is Dr. Andrew Rimby and when I'm not here on the podcast, I am consulting with small businesses, undergraduate students, graduate students, podcasters, and those in media. So if you're curious about the work that I've done with my consultation services, you could just type me in on Google, Ivory Tower Boiler Room, and you'll see a few reviews pop up. I've worked on college admission essays for undergraduate students. I've revamped and expanded a small business's social media marketing campaign right here in Port Jefferson, New York. And I've also worked on a graduate student's thesis for her physician assistant program so if you want to seek me out or inquire about my consultation services just email me that's the easiest way to reach me at ivory tower gmail gmail.com that's easy to remember and tis the season for college admission essays both undergraduate and graduate thesis writing dissertation writing um, do you want to create a podcast and you don't know where to begin media work um how to open a tiktok, how to start creating videos on tiktok, what to do with your instagram, all of that i have done. So, just reach out to me. Also, i'm really excited to announce that the december book club choice is Britney Spears' The Woman in Me memoir. So, to join the book club Head to ivorytowerboilerroom.com and go to events, and you're going to see a form there. Just so I know how many of you are joining the book club, and that way I can reach out to each of your email addresses and poll all of you to see what date at the end of December works. It's going to be the week after Christmas, so don't worry. It's not going to be the week of Christmas. That would be hectic. and. Then I'll let you all know how to join the book club, which happens on Patreon. You just join under the ITBR book club section. So can't wait to see who wants to discuss Britney Spears. We have a lot to dissect there. And in the also if you wanna join the Wicked Broadway musical group event, which is happening in March, head to that event section on the website and fill out that Google form by December 1st. Ah, oh, So much happening here in the ivory tower boiler room. And I love, this community. I love being the host and director of this arts and culture organization. Thank you all for supporting me. It means so much. And please spread the word for my consultation services for the podcast, the book club, the Broadway musical group event, all the things. And without further ado, here's today's episode. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Andrew Rimby and welcome back to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room Rewatches, Queer as Folk. Trying to get all that those words out. Um, I'm so excited because I am joined with a writer, artistic friend of mine who I've actually had the pleasure of blurbing his book. So I want to introduce you all to him first. So then we can jump into this episode because boy oh boy, Scott, do we have a lot to chat about? Um yeah. So I'm joined with the Scott Alexander Hess, who is the author of six novels, including the most recent one. I'm going to, you know, chat about that first. His new novella is called A Season in Delhi. And when this comes out, it has just come out. So I timed that, you know, not accidentally. Everything is planned. But it came out on November 12th by Rebel Satori. And I'm pretty sure it times
0: with the festival of Delhi, right, Scott? Diwali, yeah. The oh, festival Diwali, of, sorry. Yeah, from India's Diwali, which is uh November twelfth, we that's why we made that the uh the book's release date.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say Delhi is a location right, you know, in India. So yeah, the festival of Diwali. Thank you. Um I guess there's always festivals in Delhi. So he also teaches fiction writing at Gotham Writers Workshop, curates Hot Lit, which everyone should subscribe to. I love it. It's an LGBTQ plus themed monthly newsletter. He's originally from St. Louis, Missouri. So we can't say that he's a New Yorker, but now he's a New Yorker. So you've been brought into the Northeast culture. He lives in New York City with his husband. He's the author, aside from a season in Delhi of other novels, including Skyscraper, which is a Lambda Literary Award finalist. Congratulations. And *The Butcher's Sons, which was named a Kirkus Reviews Best Book of 2015. His latest fiction, The Root of Everything and Lightning, is a number one Amazon bestseller. His writing has appeared in HuffPost, Genre Magazine, The Fix, FEMA Literary Review, and elsewhere, uh, other magazines. Uh, He co-wrote Tom in America, which is an award-winning short film starring Sally Kirkland and Burt Young. He's a Lambda Literary Awards judge and was in America's next great author finalist in 2022. Congratulations on all of that, Scott. And without further ado, welcome to ITBR Rewatches. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's so much fun. Of course. Well, what I love is Scott said, okay, Andrew, what are we going to chat about? And I said, well, we're going to just dive right into the pool, right? Mm-hmm. That's like their theme song in Queer as Folk. But um, I always like to ask, when did you first know about Queer as Folk? Did you see this series in 2000 to 2001?
0: The whole backstory. Um, what was the very first? 2000 was the mm-hmm. the year, the be- the origin year, right? Yeah, December 3rd, 2000. That's it premieres. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Yeah, I knew of it. I mean, you know, t- uh, 23 years ago and um, I was aware of it. I mean, things were just so different back then. So it was like, oh my God, they actually have a show with the name Queer in it. And I knew it came from BBC, right? So it's like, oh, they're bringing it over here. What are they going to do? And the guys are really cute. And um, yeah, so it was kind of a, a revelation Um, And, you know, sometimes it's hard to forget, even though some things are not so great right now, but we've made immense progress, right? So I try to remember like, oh my God, yeah, like 20 years ago, it was like, there just wasn't that much out there. Unless you went to the queer indie cines, you know, like the quad in New York city. It used to be, if I wanna see a gay film, go to the quad. Uh, But we didn't have a lot on television. So it definitely was a bright moment. So when did you move to New York City, Scott? Um, yeah, 85. Oh,
1: okay. So yeah, I you've been in the yeah. fabric of the city a while. Yes,
0: right. at You know, I spent my early years in St. Louis and then always knew I was coming to New York City. It was like, that's where I'm headed. And so uh, I, you know, I, I got here as soon as I could and then never turned back. So, you know. And you
1: still have. An indelible impression of an accent of that midwestern (laughs) accent
0: which i enjoy it's that's good yeah i can't hear it but people do certain words like quarter i think i say oddly and other words people say oh you know that that's unusual but yeah we never told i never my friend always says you never quite lose the country girl like you'll always be a country girl at heart i'm like yeah that's true that's true well, and does anyone ever say
1: that you remind them of Carson Kressley? Because I'm getting like very <laughs> Carson Kressley, like fashion aesthetic. Like you're all on, you're so on point. I do
0: love fashion. I and early on in my career, I was a journalist and I wrote fashion a fashion column, and I love yeah. fashion. It's like my hobby. Um, so I haven't gotten Carson. I've gotten like Sam Champion. I've gotten odd oh, comparisons okay. through the years, different. Some usually it's just like, oh look, they have like poofy blonde hair, so it's, you know, you'll get that comparison. But I, I, um, I'm a big fashion fan, so I have been. Yeah, it. New York's a great place for that.
1: Truly is. I know. I say to everyone in the fall. And winter, my favorite thing I did, I mean, I haven't done it a lot, but like one of my favorite activities is just going to Soho and entering every boutique that you can, that aren't like lines wrapped around and just right. like going to those independent boutiques and like talking to the staff, like the cur- whoever's curated the designs and the collection. Right. Um, and then like go see a movie in Union Square, because I love that Regal. Uh, but
0: oh, That is a good one. It's so big.
1: I know. And- well. Bigger is better, in my opinion, Scott, yes, in more that, ways than one.
0: That is so true. Woo-hoo.
1: I think my boyfriend's going to like hearing that. OK. Mm. So where we left off in Queer as Folk, I always love pretending that I'm that TV voice. Like previously on Queerest as Folk, um, it was called Now Approaching the Line. That was episode five. Mm-hmm. And Michael had like started thinking of dating this chiropractor. Brian had like tried to sleep with this client to secure a deal, but then the client was closeted um, and Brian kicks him out. Like, no, Brian leaves the hotel room and he's like, you have to deal with your family. Um, And then Justin is struggling with his mom, which like we see carrying over into this episode. So episode six is called the art of desperation, which I found an interesting title. Like, do you think it has to do with Justin's, prowess as an artist like playing around with that in the title
0: um I, I, that it didn't strike me that way it was more about the and you have to remind me of the character's name like the brunette who's dating the um the chiropractor oh um michael michael um it, i felt it was more uh about him you know, mm. and it's, uh, it, he, he felt the most desperate to me like yeah. uh, the most uh, like subconsciously desperate and like not off kilter um although and, and maybe the less the less um self-aware the yeah. the young guy with the art I mean uh, no I didn't get a desperation from. I mean you know he had the thing like oh my god is he gonna come and oh he walks in the door but this just kind of youth, like, puppy love kind of stuff. Um, I thought he had more, he was growing in confidence because because of his art, really. Mm. Well,
1: and I love how it begins with Michael. Like, most of these episodes begin with Michael. Like, he's our voice um, Mm -hmm. of the show. Um, And he has this whole superhero fetish like that I always find so interesting. So he, like, is with Brian and has this kink for superheroes and then he's like and here's my dynamic duo and then you see a like him with Brian and I'm just curious what was it like um revisiting Michael and Brian's relationship?
0: Um well you know um I I guess more irritating um <laughs> honestly um you know just the 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 stances and the posing and the that it felt it not as it felt inauthentic you know like just false and um <laughs> i mean time goes on too but um yeah it just kind of yeah that i'll start with that because there was a certain uh, and I don't know, levels of emptiness, I guess that, mm. you know, um, that struck me while like 20 years ago, I probably would have been so bowled away by like, oh my God, they're a queer couple. I'm so happy, you know, and now I think I just expect more um, mm-hmm. and more from uh, the I've seen so much great queer cinema more like God's uh, what was it called God's own country or I don't know if you saw that oh yes yes was that in Ireland they're like off on a farm Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. relationship and you can just see so much depth in this I mean in tv shows are different or you know everything has its style like dynasty is not you know doskievsky but um yeah so that's that that was kind of the initial like oh oh all right all right
1: yeah, well, and then, of course, there's the employee at this comic book store who is trying to get Brian's attention. Um, I have to say, I'm starting to get a little tired of the constant fawning over Brian just because, like, I don't know what kind of aura he has, but for some reason, he's always a Casanova and men are, like, drooling over him. I mean, no, I do you find this realistic,
0: Scott? no I didn't connect to that I found him unlikable I- irritating and um <laughs> it's like oh dear I don't want to be too negative but it, it, it well he wasn't he didn't have any Sparkle I mean he's not that stunning and he's a, an attractive young man but um it, it just he, a vapidness you know like you'll think of Dorian Gray um who mm-hmm. was a ends up being a very kind of vapid like self-centered person right but there's some sort of enig- energy and enigmatic uh, you know what's going on with this person um he he felt more flat and no i didn't buy that um he would be uh you know so many people would f- uh, fawn over him or be enamored um yeah because well, we yeah, something. Sure. I mean, maybe body types were a little different too. We've gone through big muscle this that and also we have the internet where we see so much beauty, you know, like whether it's just facial beauty or body beauty or the, and and then you got face work. So yeah. it's like, yeah, so it didn't quite pop and then they didn't give him either anything likable, or anything that mysterious even like mean characters are like, like, Oh, they can be a little sexy because they're like, gosh, she's so mean. Or like, or, or there's some mystery, you know? And he was just like, you know, I'm going to walk around and I'm going to walk around some more. And yeah. so
1: you're not falling for Brian. Uh, I could tell. Um, I love though, this analogy that you're creating between him and Dorian Gray, because um. You know, as you know, I'm a Victorian scholar when I'm not, you know, doing all the programming here at the Ivory Tower Boiler Room that I've written a lot about Oscar Wilde. And I find that Dorian Gray, it's such a fascinating novel because I actually think the beauty of Dorian isn't necessarily. And I could say that this is a realistic trait about beauty and aesthetic that it's an artifice where, yes, we all have different like physical traits, but really it has to be society with that dictates the norms around beauty etiquette and aesthetic right. desire that it's really Dorian's older male lover. Well, depends how you read the novel, but Dorian's like the older men in his life who are kind of molding him into what they see as beautiful. So like they're putting their impression and that's how I feel Brian is. Like, you're right, he is our Dorian Gray. He's, people are curating his, like the beauty standards in the gay community around Brian. Happy winter. Happy holidays. I hope you all are merry and bright out there. I am here in Port Jefferson, New York on Long Island in one of my favorite stores. It is the Soapbox NY, a bath and body boutique. I'm here with one of the co-owners, Janine. Hi, Janine. Happy holidays. Hi,
2: Andrew. How are you? Thank you.
1: Good. So I know you have many winter scents to walk us through. So let's get started because there's a lot to talk about, and it's It's exciting. So what is this that I'm holding?
2: This is a hand wash by one of our favorite companies, Greenwich Bay. Uh, It's a gingerbread scent, which is wonderful, very Christmassy, very holiday-ish. And you can follow it up by using Greenwich Bay's lotion. It's a hand and body lotion. And to keep with that gingerbread scent is a um, sugar whip scrub. It's a body scrub that you could use in the shower, and it's by a company called Primal Elements. And it's something I'm actually
1: using currently. And I said to Janine, and she always laughs, that I really feel like I'm in Santa's bakery. So, oh, it is so yummy.
2: It's a good one. And
1: then, what are these adorable little soap gifts?
2: Jumping back to Greenwich Bay, this is a great little... Grab and Go gifts, great for a stocking stuffer. They're mini soaps by Greenwich Bay. And it just gives you a little sample of some of their mini soaps to try.
1: Peppermint, mistletoe, holly,
2: cranberry. Yeah, and there's some um, shred in there too.
1: And then what is this room spray?
2: This is from company Michelle Design Works, another one of our favorites. Room spray that you can use any room in your house, just kind of freshens up the room a bit.
1: Then what is this by Michelle Design Also works? by
2: Michelle Design Works is Winter Blooms, one of their new scents this holiday season. It's great. It's um, a hand wash. You can use it in your kitchen or your bathroom.
1: And then here's As,
2: something to follow it up with. Exactly. It's a hand and body lotion.
1: And then what is this beautiful decorative candle here?
2: One of our favorites that we actually sell mm. all year round because it's so popular. This is the scent of Fraser Fir by Times.
1: I think I'm becoming addicted to it.
2: Yes. I think you are because you already own one, I believe. I own one <laughs> and it is a
1: decorative candle for me because I'm about to open it, but it's just in such I know the a beautiful is, package. I don't know what's better
2: the packaging or the scent.
1: I'm but using it as a holiday decoration. So well, I'll get to the candle eventually, thank everyone. You,
2: but it's wonderful because with Times and their Frasier Fur, not only do they carry the candles, but they also make it in the sense in the diffuser, in soap, the hand lotion, the um, the hand soap. It's just a great line and a great scent.
1: We're going to be Frasier uh crazed this holiday season. I love it. And then what are these so adorable pajamas?
2: My friends next to me, uh, a company called Hello Mellow. But these pajamas are so comfy. We have the t-shirts with the pajama pants. These happen to be the Nutcrackers, one of Panda. my favorite this holiday season. And then they have the night shirts, too. And they're so comfy.
1: And it says, oh, what but, fun, uh, with a little Santa hat. Yes, and we have
2: others as well.
1: So, Janine, how can everyone out there get their hands on your hand and body and even Pajama products.
2: Well, we'd be more than happy to see you in our shop. We're located at 18 Chandler Square in Port Jefferson Village. You could always call us to place an order. We're happy to ship to you. Our phone number is 631-509-1424. You can place an order on our website, SoapboxNY.com. And you could also find us on Instagram or TikTok at the SoapboxNY.
1: So many options. hmm I can't wait for all of you out there to just enjoy what I love so much about the soapbox and why. So with yeah, that, thank you so much. Happy winter, everyone. And this yes. is going to keep you all, especially in the Northeast, merry and cheery with our cold dark days.
2: Yes, I know they're coming, unfortunately, but yeah. survive.
1: But this will get you that pep right, in your, your spirits. Exactly. So yes. There we go. Happy okay. holidays.
2: Happy Bye, holidays. everyone. Thank you.
1: LGBT stories are universal, but each one speaks to the individual heart and soul of the writer telling it. Do you have a story to tell? Visit their writer's guidelines. The link is located at the bottom of their homepage. And if you have any questions, email Stephen Hemrick. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N dot H-E-M-R-I-C-K at GLReview.org. The GNLR and its readers can't wait to see what you have to say.
0: Right, right. And you wonder why you know in 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 rewatching and looking it's like you also made me think of Death in Venice because that character represents ideal beauty and he doesn't need to be anything but vacant he doesn't need to be anything but a figure but he's so youth I mean he's young and he's so youthfully idealized it's like the, the author, you know, Thomas Mann says it's this is idealized beauty. So and then the Portolucci film version is like he pretty was dead on with the way he showed us that beauty. It could also be the lighting and the you know, maybe they just didn't go for it quite so much back then. Like maybe we have more budget to create mm-hmm. what we're meant to see as beauty. But and, and also maybe just people didn't see. uh Gay, what was supposed to be a beautiful gay man, um, in a TV series, much. So, hmm. you know, um, I just yeah, I, I no, found no. the one moment I did find him a little kernel of something interesting is when he was trying to have sex with the man, but really just staring at his own, um, picture that he of himself, the man painted or sketched. And I thought, oh, that's kind of an interesting character. But that was like a second.
1: Yeah, Um, well, and I think that ending of our episode is so important because, right, Michael is with uh, David, the chiropractor. And I wrote here, um, remember, David, like, we'll get there. But since you brought us to the end, David says like, who are you thinking about? And David is so worried and can't handle that Michael has this like romantic friendship with Brian. But then, you know, in the back of our mind, I went to, well, who is Brian thinking about? Because uh, obviously they're trying to connect Michael and Brian in the final scene of the episode. And like, Brian really just sees this guy giving him a blowjob as like a tool. And, like, he literally like shoves his face back down. And then right. he's like staring at the sketch that Justin made. and you realize, oh, he's the one who bought the sketch, right. like this private right. donor for this charity. Right. And there's something he can't let go of Justin. Like he's starting to feel an attraction towards Justin. That's not just physical. Like before that, it's always kind of been he sees Justin as a pest who just fawns over him. But I think, yeah, uh, there's the shift has happened in yeah. this episode.
0: I mean, and those ti- those few tiny little moments are when like a complexity of character that came through that um, it's like, oh, this could be an interesting person. But you have like 45 minutes of posing and then 10 seconds of like, oh, that's an interesting thought. Um, mm. So, you know. For the character overall, but I, I'm sorry, I jumped ahead.
1: <laughs> no, no, you're good. Yeah, no, go back and forth. I mean, I do have to ask you, what do you think of moments like when Brian says, um, "I tune out self pity. It makes my dick
0: soft." Um, that doesn't even mean anything. Like, what is he just trying to be? Um, clever. Um, it. That's the part that. I like flawed people. I write flawed characters in all my books. They're the best. But there's multiple levels to flaws. And that's kind of like, okay, I tune out self-pity because it makes my dick soft as if I just walk through the day minute by minute with a heart on And that is the point of life. Um, So I can't take in anything else. you know, I don't know. It felt like such a a quippy phrase. So it again, it wasn't obviously, as you can see, I'm not like joining his fan club tomorrow. Um, no, you're definitely not. But um, well, do you think that Brian actually,
1: like you're having me rethink his characterization because Brian doesn't really talk about. Like, he doesn't talk about being beautiful. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, He kind of lets everyone else dictate his attractiveness. Right. He just says like, oh, you know, men are all around me. But um, it really seems like he needs to continuously feel attracted and needed, which is why I do think it is, even though we are getting um, a stereotype characterization from him, I also do think it does feel realistic because... I know these kinds of gay men where um, like they need to be um, at the center of attention in their friend group or, but the friends want that. Like they almost need a leader and I don't really have a friend group like that, but I I find that um, each friend is trying to um, capture Brian's attention, like really, um, seek out his approval especially michael i feel is that michael has more to lose in this scenario in my opinion right but i don't know i'm trying to find the complexity with brian i do think he has moments i agree with you they're like small moments but we're still not getting his whole personality yet um Yeah, yeah. some of that
0: could be in the writing. It might be in the performance and how it was directed. Directed also in if someone's supposed to be so appealing, um, it can be in how they're lit, how they're presented, how they're because there's lots of films and um, lots of female characters that are meant like Cleopatra are that are just meant to be like um, the epitome of beauty our seduction are and they're not always stunningly beautiful but there's something that you have to buy it and say like oh this one walks in the room and it's like whoa you know and that's mm-hmm. I guess that's what I want because I can buy if a character is can that half of their interest is that is what we're seeing visually and how they own that um, there's like a like a a brattiness to him, like a darkness. Not to like totally focus on him, because um, yeah, but that yeah, I wanted I wanted to um, connect more, um, and I didn't, and I did have kind of a strong reaction, and I was like, huh, like I am being a bit critical, you know. And my husband kept saying, oh, it's fun, you know, and and, and I'm like, well, so.
1: Well, so what was it like watching this episode with your husband? Like what were some, what, what was some of the commentary that you two exchanged?
0: Oh, well, he's watches television and shows and he is a huge lover of everything. So he finds things entertaining. He's like, oh, that's cute. That's funny. We talked about, um, I'm terrible with all names, but um, on Cagney and Lacey, what's her name? The redhead, you know, plays cool. the mother. She's right here in your picture. Um, Uh Oh, uh, oh,
1: oh, oh. Sharon Glass, who plays Debbie. Sharon
0: Glass, yeah. So like she popped on and and because it's so old too, he was like, I wonder what he looks like today, you know, um, Brian, and like, I wonder what they look like. And what about the little blonde? And he was actually talking about, I think when it was BBC, there was scandal because the actor was actually 15. And here is USA, so they had to make him actually older and he's 18, which is actually 17. Um, And then, you know, then we chatted about the representation of the mothers like, oh, look at his mother and look at the other one's mother. And I like Glassman as an actress too. I felt she could capture little moments. Um, And yeah, so I I always, uh, you know, I am a bit of a snob around film and, well, I'm a writer, so I'm always studying. Right. Um, but I, I have less tolerance. I want, um, especially as I've discovered more and more and more great, great, great queer and non-queer film and cinema and succession on television. And while my husband is much more like, Oh, I love it. This is fun.
1: Yeah. Like, like oh, he always tries I'm to find it. the.
0: you know, this is he cute. finds the spectacle in it. Yeah. And I he mean, watches so much that he enjoys it. Um, and I tend to look more minutely, you know, like, uh, but it was good to think about it of like, oh, uh, uh, look how they're being, look how they dress, look how they're interacting. Mm-hmm. Uh, look how the, the parents are. The I thought the mother kind of looked like Mary Tyler Moore. Oh,
1: Jennifer, Justin's Not mom. Mary
0: Tyler Moore, but she has that kind
1: of look. Well, but, I actually thought her. I have to say, like, my highlights of the characters in this episode of the writing was Daphne and Justin when they meet uh, Lindsay and Melanie Mm -hmm. at, like, that craft fair, or I forget. They're at some, like, outdoor event. And um, I thought, like, Daphne's relationship with Justin being the, like, straight best friend and, like, Justin trying to make his way into the lesbian couples, good graces, Like I thought that was the highlight of how that narrative played out with like Lindsay being an art teacher, getting Justin's work shown. Um, Yeah. That focus on the art. Um, Justin's artistic expression. I really, I really like Justin's acting though. I like Randy Harrison a lot.
0: Yeah. That was charming. I thought those segments were charming and he was like, actually he's prettier than the other guy and, some ways um but he's you know has plays he's a little more uncertain and vulnerable and not doesn't seem to be too into himself and has this fun straight girlfriend and Mm -hmm. um, you know is very uncertain about his art and even his like slight obsession um is charming you know Mm -hmm. because he is that bright burst of youth that doesn't seem, it's almost like he's more mature than the other people, even though he's younger, he seems to have a healthy outlook. Um, I agree. And yeah.
1: I find his relationship with his mom so interesting. Like I really like Jennifer's, how she navigates him coming out. And I mean, what did you think of his mom actually Um going to the gay and lesbian art show
0: uh I I well, yeah, um I liked I liked those scenes. I liked the fact that she went. It almost felt a little unrealistic um because you know, I mean, I don't know where are we we're in um uh, uh, Pennsylvania, right? It's uh, very, good. and it's twenty years ago. But I, I like who she was and what she did, and I love that moment where she turns and she's imagining him ripping the clothes off of her son and this. But I, um, so I like the idealized version of like what they have in this show, but I doubted it a bit because mm-hmm. coming from Missouri, and there's one thing a a parent or a mother like being you know, uh, supportive as much as they can, but um, also having doubts and, uh, uh, um, you know, um, homophobia and, you know, just having all their own stuff that they have to work through. So I thought she kind of, um, so that's a dual answer because I I liked that, oh, that's nice. He has a, his mother's fun. This is going to be great. But it didn't feel that realistic because I'm like, that's where they gave that moment where she's like, oh my God, he's seducing my son. He's literally ripping his pants off. But again, then we went away from that pretty quickly. Um, but you know, maybe the show just doesn't need to be complex or like delve into too much. It's like, mm-hmm. um, but I, I thought she might have had a few more misgivings or been a you know, a, a bit more fear or something yeah
1: yeah well and how about when she's like seeing all the art I thought it was fascinating just viewing her reactions to each piece like there's one that's more based on Justin showing women and motherhood like I don't know if the first is like right that was
0: interesting yeah yeah
1: I liked when it was Lindsay and her baby Um, Uh but then like when she starts to see the photo like just to see how those who are gathered at that show react to the nude male body so differently like right the one couple um Ted and the music choir teacher um oh that was sad i know well they well let's talk about it because that's like our artistic couple they see um you know, a cock and balls and like the backside of this photo. And that like really turns them on. But then Jennifer, Justin's mom sees the nude male body because it's her son who's painting it. Right. And it all starts to register for her. Like, who is this model
0: and where is he? Right. And she's threatened, you know, she's afraid, she's threatened. Also, you're, you know, I don't know with. um, Parents, how many parents really have frank sex talks with their children? I always think parents are as afraid as there may be more than the children to like. I come from <laughs> Missouri, you know, I, um, it was, you know, we didn't like talk that much, um, about sex and then be having gay sex, forget about it. But so, you know, I felt like her viewing these things and taking them in i mean i i agree i liked her the segment where she looked at the different from motherhood to what is this and and the gay sex and you know and um i'm sure she felt it would be a bit shocking and protective which is why they allowed the scene in where she then turns and is imagining what they actually did you know which was good i thought that was a good moment
1: yeah so Okay, so Ted is with um I'm trying to remember his name, but Ted is with this it like goes to this dating um event and they all have numbers. Have you, have you go, I went I've been to date bait. I've never have been to that. I've been I've been to like blind dating online during the pandemic, which was a different experience. But yes. um
0: no, back in the day that was. Date I did date bait that exact thing they did. Ugh, I hated it. But um yes, but there they are, the the little couple that I had high hopes for. Hmm.
1: Um I know they shared love of arias and um like had this real opera love of going like listening to the Mets broadcast. And then what happened? Like, why do you think this just shattered?
0: well yeah I um because the thing to me was I when he was resistant I was start I thought I got indications of like that he was kind of attracted to the guy and there was a little thrill there um I never got like disgust or repugnance or like or like oh I don't find him attractive at all you know I was I was getting little inklings of like he's being cautious, but, you know, so I really felt it. And then that moment when they're both salivating and like, oh my God, we've waited long enough. Um, It's so the, when he couldn't and said, you're not my type. And um, it was, I was like, oh, that's disappointing. I wanted, I would have liked to have seen them and maybe, you know, go further, spend more time like try to have sex, like, uh, you know, uh, cause I didn't quite buy that, that he made it made it sound like when he said, I'm sorry, you're not my type, get out, you have bad breath. It's like that That was his feeling all along. Um, and that wasn't what I was getting from the scenes beyond that thing of like, love the full person, love the human being, not just the body part, you know, which, in me in long term i am in a long term tenure married four years relationship, that it the it does become part of that. You you love more and more and more just the person, like their heart and soul, and it morphs and changes. But um
1: Hi, this is Dr. Andrew Rimby, and I'm so excited to shout out the Gay and Lesbian Review, who is helping to sponsor the ITBR podcast. For all of you out there, the Gay and Lesbian Review is a bi-monthly magazine where you can discover new things about gay and lesbian literature, history, and culture, and The GL Review publishes essays in a wide range of disciplines, as well as a slew of reviews of books, plays, and movies, and a number of special features, such as artist profiles and their popular art memo column. Each issue of the magazine brings you consistently intelligent, lively, thought-provoking articles focused on a unifying theme. For example, their September-October issue centers on the theme, Cracking the Closet. So starting the 19th century, a number of artists and writers found ways to crack the closet by expressing their sexuality between the lines or in the interstices of their work. For example, Ignacio Darnad, who is a friend of the ITBR podcast, he's been on our show, writes all about illustrator JC Lyendecker whose work for ivory soap and arrow collars gave him plenty of opportunities to draw pictures of well-dressed and at times scantily dressed American men. And you also can find an article by Vernon Rosario, who has been on the podcast, and he talks about the quest for sex in the Middle Ages. So to subscribe, visit glreview.org. That's G-L-R-E-V-I-E-W. Dot .org click subscribe so on their website go all the way over to the right hand side and you'll see the button subscribe click subscribe and enter the promo code ITBR50 because you're getting 50% off your subscription to the print or digital edition of the gay and lesbian review magazine I can't wait for you all to have your copy of the Gay and Lesbian Review magazine and make sure that you take a picture when your magazine arrives or when you're reading it online and tag the GL Review on Instagram and ITBR and we'll share it out in our stories. Enjoy your reading, everyone. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Andrew Rimby and I am so excited to be talking about Broadview Press. You might be asking, what is Broadview Press, Andrew? Broadview is an independent academic publisher in the humanities that produces high-quality, pedagogically useful books for use in university and college classrooms. They publish in the humanities, mainly English studies, writing, philosophy, and history, just to name a few genres. And recently, I had on Dr. Jason Holt, who wrote all about the philosophy of sport. And what better summer episode than to talk about what happens when a philosopher dissects the beautiful aesthetics of sporting culture? In the spring, I had on doctors Kyle Stedman and Tanya Rodriguez to talk about what is soundwriting, how to make audio projects in the college classroom, how to even have your students create podcasts.
0: you can't expect that immediately at the beginning, but yeah, I, I thought he kind of was a little attracted to him. So I was a little surprised when it was just like, get out. I don't know, unless it's meant to be, he's afraid of commitment and that, I don't know. How did you read it? Yeah. Well, I thought when, um,
1: Ted said, um, you know, I'm just not that into you but I know that straight women would be (laughs) like, what is this kind of backhand compliment that like, you'd be good in the straight world, but not in the gay world. And
0: yeah, that felt kind of archaic. Yeah. Well, the time too, that was 20 years ago. So as if, you know, I, yeah, I didn't quite get that one either, but I thought, I guess it's like gay men have higher standards than straight women do about men right and that gay men could a gay man could just flip on out there and decide to connect with a straight woman and have a life or you know something like that
1: yeah but... no
0: no go ahead yeah no I found that a little odd too
1: yeah well, and I like I was oh Roger, that's the um uh the choir, choir teacher yeah yeah um I thought that there's like that whole moment where they're in bed together. And, like, I also feel Ted wasn't ready yet for intimacy, but, like, he starts to, everything intensifies around him, like the timers, the clock sounds, the ticking, everything is just like water dripping. I don't know. It's all very intense. So I didn't understand. And maybe we'll see as it goes on. Maybe this man does come back in his life. But um it did set it did pave the way for him to then go back to babylon the nightclub and see um this young man who he had been with a few episodes before who had like given him a drug and ted like took too much of it and went into a coma so then i felt kind of we're being pushed into this direction of ted wanting to be settled and the good boy, but wants to go back into the party lifestyle. Like he doesn't yet know which world he's in. And
0: well, um, and it, yeah. it goes to complexity of character, also, and maturity of person. Um, because it, and in, in this up, uh, my first novel that was published was called Diary of a Sex Addict. And it's very intense and it's one month in New York City and a man that's trying to escape his feelings by having all this crazy sex, right? So in a way, that scenario of I can't be with a man that I'm actually liking, he's becoming too real. I'm better at having sex with an anonymous person or someone that I can fetishize and you know, it becomes a non real experience. So, I mean, that could be it. It made me think a little of that. It's like, well, maybe that's because people use sex just for escape, absolute mm-hmm. total escape, um, distraction from feeling while love making, forget about it. You know, you've got to, I mean, in my experience, vulnerability, feeling, you know, it's like it becomes a fuller. So, it's like, sure if you go in the bathroom of a club and get a little drunk and and have sex in a stall then it doesn't require emotional connection right so maybe that's just what he's ready for in his journey although i was you just want to shake him and slap him because i'm like but why are you wandering around like oh everybody ignores me yay let's have a drink i'm like oh lord you know it's like wear a tank top and shave your head and just grab you know whatever i wanted him to i always want to reshape people anyway but i'm like well don't just be like sally sad sack who's going to be like oh well i'll have to take what i can get because that's who i am
1: oh my gosh well yeah i love everything you've said about there i agree i ted is fresh he frustrates me um i mean it's sad he was in a coma but I'm frustrated because I could see the potential in this relationship. And right. I felt like when he lashed out at this guy, um, but that is so realistic. I mean, Scott, right? Like how many times have we been upset with someone and you say things you regret and right. like, or they'll make a criticism and then like, you feel that you have to ping pong back a like harsher criticism of them. Right. Right yeah you know?
0: yeah, yeah it, it just for the story it felt too soon it felt mm-hmm. like oh soften it up a little and um don't be so harsh you know like mm-hmm. in, because it's a fast moving series too we don't have long we don't get that in depth with feeling necessarily mm-hmm. so it felt a little like sharp um yeah in and yeah. And you want no, that's true. What more? I mean, I wanted like, but maybe he'll, you know. Maybe it'll turn a different direction.
1: Yeah. Well, and we have to move through so many people. Right. Right. It's like they're trying to cover all of these different um, complexities of the circle um, right. of men, but and, and women. Yeah. yeah.
0: And it was very groundbreaking just to have a gay show called Queer as Folk and mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, over the, I guess it was the BBC, and then over here. And so that, you know, was a huge, just a giant win, just that it existed. So yeah. I mean, wow, 20 years later, we can get much more critical because we've, there's been so much more.
1: Yeah. You know? And I'll just quote this line because it's in the show, even though everyone who's been listening to the series knows I have a hard time. Um, with the slur word, but because it is a quote that Emmett says, I thought you would find this interesting, Scott, knowing you were going to be across from me, that we get a Samuel Samuel Taylor Coleridge quote from The Rime of the Ancient Mariner as a play on words. So like Emmett says, faggots, faggots everywhere and not a drop to drink.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And right. All right, and I think he's saying that when there's, oh, all these men in the dating um event and like Emmett's not interested I mean why did you think Emmett to me Emmett is kind of fascinating like he's you know I feel like you would have a kinship he's like the most fashionable one he works in a clothing boutique right. um, he's kind of like unapologetically always who he is but like right. why was the dating event like why would he make a comment like that
0: I thought he was just being kind of catty and that didn't like the pickings you know it's like too real, too old, too plain, too, you know.
1: And everyone's on their soapbox. That's what I thought. It was like, <laughs> and this
0: is why you should pick me. Like, I don't know, what of it's them? very strange. And I think it's a great idea because I went a couple, with friends a few times to date bait. And um, I think it's a really great concept because it's trying to lead, especially 20, 30 more years ago to say like, we don't just have to get drunk and fuck at the club. We can go somewhere in a lit room and say, I'm gay and I'm a writer and there's more to me. And what do you think? And so it's a great concept. But I always just found it very awkward. And maybe it is because we were brought, I mean, I was, I came up in the gay community where it was very visual cuz where we were always in i think that's that has changed absolutely but we really were always in clubs i was 17 and in in hot pants i <laughs> remember my friend said don't you have any other type of clothes and i'm like but my hot pants were my my thing you know i'm like i got to wear my hot pants um <laughs> <That's great. laughs> because that was you go you stand you do you you know you and then you—that was it. Get drunk, pick someone up. So, anyway, yeah. that's my late date rant. Well, it <laughs> well, is an idea, but it—it um—in it, truth, it was so that guy that said, you know, faggots, faggots everywhere. Um, I just felt he was being quippy and kind of like unable to see anything visually. But the whole point of the thing is, it's not supposed to just be visual. Mm-hmm. It you know, if he had. If it was it's not that he's lacking in depth, but it's just not what he's looking
2: for.
1: Imagine that you're riding the Turner Classic movie. Great movie ride in Hollywood Studios. It's in the 1990s. As you're journeying through the great movie ride, you pass the Wizard of Oz where All of a sudden, you see the Wicked Witch of the West ascend into Munchkin land in a cloud of smoke and flames. Well, that's the memory I have with the great movie ride in classic cinema when I was at Disney in the 1990s as a young boy. And ever since that, I was hooked on classic cinema. Well, my friend Christian Garcia, friend of the ivory tower boiler room, has a podcast that you all are going to love. It's called That Old Gay Classic Cinema, and he looks at queer themes in classic cinema, like Vertigo, The Wizard of Oz, Sleeping Beauty, Mary Poppins, 101 Dalmatians, Hello Dolly. The list can go on and on and on. So, follow him on Instagram at That Old Gay Classic Cinema. You can listen to his podcast on Apple and Spotify. And he also is on the premiere episode of our Queerest Folk podcast, where I'm rewatching every episode of Queerest Folk from 2000. And the episodes come out bi weekly. So, make sure you listen to his episode with me. And he's launching a rewatch show of Smash where they're putting on a Marilyn Monroe musical. So he's going to be joined by co-hosts, a lot who are in the Broadway and theater industry, and I'm going to be on his first episode. So without further ado, get listening to that old gay classic cinema. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. Happy almost holiday season because the holidays are upon us. I'm sure so many of you out there are thinking, oh, my, what am I going to get my friends, my family, my children, my romantic partner, my husband, my wife, any, you know, significant person in your life. Look no further than my good friend Mandy Bangle, who makes handmade crocheted items. Her company is called Mandy Made It. You can follow her on Instagram at m a n d e e Made It. And you will see all of these crocheted items that she's going to be able to customize for you, including Special characters, sports team figures, even holiday items like a snowflake or a Christmas tree. So I have Mandy's keychains. I have the poison apple from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I have a rainbow um, flag that she made me. So Mandy is able to really customize an order just depending on what your hobbies and passions are, and you know, what item you're really looking for. So because you're listening to me talk about Mandy, she said that anyone who goes to Mandy Made It on Instagram and orders from her, and they've heard the Ivory Tower Boiler Room ad, she will give you all a free Ivory Tower Boiler Room t-shirt with your order. So head right now to Mandy Made It. You know, if you were really looking for that special gift, now you don't have to look any further because I have you covered with Mandy Mated. Okay, I hope you all enjoy your items from Mandy Mated, And please make sure that you take a photo of your crocheted items so that we can share it out on our social media. I know Mandy would love that and I would love to see what you all are ordering from her. She even has an adorable pillow called Netflix and chill and she has these cute coasters that she crochets for your favorite coffee or tea mug. So enjoy all your Mandy made it products.
0: Because it's like, well, actually there's a, people with a lot of different perspectives. Like I do a choir and I do this. And um, I thought that was a funny moment for the, when he said, <laughs> he said, well, I had a date and I went into a coma and then he dropped his number and th- that was cute. That yeah. Was a, a, a well, yeah. and I, I think that then Roger,
1: you know, hearing that vulnerability from Ted, he's like, oh, he's looking for something like you've been saying. We're kind of led to believe that Ted is looking for something more real. Right. And like Roger's connecting to that, but Ted's not ready yet. Like, right. even that he's not ready, I think he's ready. I just think he can't leave behind the party lifestyle. And I mean, even um, there's that moment where David, the chiropractor, who definitely I have warning red flags for this relationship. I don't think this is going to last long uh, right. because, in my opinion, David seems really, as a chiropractor, he seems really insecure. Like, I mean,
0: right. um, older. Yeah, he doesn't. He does seem. Yeah, I thought his maturity level should. Why is he playing this game? You know, it's like it, his his level of maturity, understanding and and confidence felt like it could be higher. Um, well, like I have to
1: ask you, do you think that um, gay men are more or less territorial of their lovers than straight men are of women?
0: Maybe. Yeah. I mean, because we do um, um, I, I, potentially <laughs> um, because not that we don't trust our friends, especially when you're younger and people are drunk or that, but there was a bit of a, I guess, because, uh, and again, this is, it's probably changed because this is years ago, but there is a certain looseness um, mm-hmm. that then you, there might be a little bit of a fear of like, oh, what if that looseness carries over and he grabs my man? While mm. in more traditional heterosexual, um, you know, I may be going down on a limb here, but that the women are, well, you know, uh, women are more angelic or cherished are and the man is in control and then we'll keep them safe and it's a little more taboo or immoral or you know you can't go to card club with your um and then sneak off and have sex with your friend's wife of course you can you know and there are lots of plays and movies where they do that but Mm -hmm. it feels a little more tenuous than maybe like you know, oh, we're young and gay, so we can be a little looser. So that maybe that makes it a little more fearful.
1: Well, and also, like how much you have to negotiate about being open or not. Like I'm feel finding this right now. Like now, you know, dating, and I've made a commitment, but I also like have had conversations with my boyfriend. Like we've known each other for eleven years, but you know, we've just like reconnected back romantically, but you know, I've been a fire island with him. I know what it's like to be at clothing optional places. I know like how many couples go there for like a third in their relationship. So it's so many, which is great. Like it's very freeing, but I think we also have to be more communicative. Like, okay, well, what is the boundary? Like, what are you comfortable with? And I think setting yourself up to be jealous is because you haven't had a conversation.
0: Right. I think in my marriage, in my relationship, why this one worked, it's because I very from the beginning, I really expressed exactly what I wanted um, and was honest and laid things out and and just said, like, as we approached marriage and so forth. I was like, um, I'm getting married and it's it's a it's a it's a like a, to me, a spiritual act, like a, a beautiful thing. And it is a monogamous relationship. It is, this simply is what getting married is. And this is the only thing I'm interested in. So if I'm not going to get married and then say, oh, should it be open or no, it's a, it's a, what is the word? Like a pact, like a sacrament, like a, um, not a contract that sounds- It's so a imp-
1: commitment to you.
0: Commitment, you yeah. Need. And monogamy is part of that. So it's like, this is not negotiable, you know, but you, I think you're right in um, saying it's just about communication. Mm -hmm. And I learned the hard way by not communicating early on and then falling apart later um, as time went on. And in this, my beautiful marriage now, which, um, you know, I'm very happily in love with my hubby. Um, I Aww. from the knew what I wanted and expressed it and put it all out there, you know? So it's like, it's, and it did feel easier. I guess sometimes you got to fail a little and then yeah. say, well, that didn't really work. So let me just be honest. You know, I think you have to be afraid of failing too. I mean, not afraid of failing, like, yeah.
1: Well, you know. like now there's a responsibility I have that I didn't when I was single and playing the field, like, but right. I made this commitment myself, like I want to be monogamous, but right. also I know to communicate, like, I don't hide that I have an OnlyFans from my boyfriend. Like I, I'm open about, you know, that I'm still like feel empowered being right. like having sexual conversations, but it doesn't mean I'm going to have an affair you know it doesn't mean i'm gonna like look for another guy like no it's like just another aspect of myself and yeah again i always talk about it because i feel like what we're seeing with the men in this show is they're holding a lot in their psyche without actually explaining like that's my feeling is like ted doesn't know even how to verbalize what he's feeling and in my opinion neither does michael like he i mean I do have to say, like, it is cute when you're friends to kiss each other. Yeah, that's n- normal. But I do think Michael kind of I can see why his chiropractor boyfriend is getting annoyed. Like, even though I think he's taking it a little too far being jealous. Yeah. What I want to see my boyfriend making out with an like kissing another guy um, who's his friend and who's then funny? kind of doing it right in front of me. I
0: don't know. Yeah, No, I wouldn't. I mean, if I was no. the chiropractor, I probably would have just left. <laughs> um Because also it, the uh, you know uh, um, it's a character who is kind of coming on to him who is being kind of kind of I don't know just kind of a little bit snaky and then there's the man I'm at they're not saying like we we're not committed if you like tomorrow are going and having sex with this guy it's like I don't know we haven't committed to anything but it's rude if you bring me to, it, we're at an event together to then go over and be like momentarily kissing someone else. It's just like, well, that's just downright rude. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. um, it, it to, and that's where I do think the chiropractor guy is, could be a bit more mature and not as fearful. But in moments like that, a, I think a mature, developed person may just be like, "What? Well, you suck. I'm leaving. I'm out." Yeah, like wouldn't even put, put up with it. and um, you and do what you need to do. I'll see you another time. You know, it's like because that was rude. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So I think you know, ending our conversation. Which see, this goes by so quick, Scott. Um, and who knew that we would be having all of these, you know flashbacks in your life or just moments of philosophical inquiry. Um, What do you think though of where we're left off with Jennifer seeking um, solace with Debbie, like the mothers connecting together? Cause that, to me, that's one of the more interesting elements of the show.
0: I mean, that felt very hopeful um, and grounded and it, that seems to be a very um, positive, have have a lot of hope and positive possibility.
1: Yeah. Well, and Jennifer always gets compared to um, a woman shopping at Saks Fifth Avenue. Like she's always a fish out of water in this community. Like you even said, she's very Mary Tyler Moore, buttoned up, preppy. Um, she could like do well. Um, on up on the, the Upper East Side in Bloomingdale's, like right. she gives yeah. me that kind of vibe. Um, but she's also like willing to be there for her son, so it's not like she's ignoring who he is.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, I. Um. Yeah. I. I think her again, like the, what I said before. Like I, I like. I'm not sure how realistic she is she could have a few more flaw uh, sharp edges and uncertainties um she's mm-hmm. a little soft around dealing with which like for her is probably an emotionally challenging as I got more mature, I realized well, sure, like with a family member, I became a little less in your face with like accepted or fuck up it's like being empathetic to like, well oh okay I understand maybe this is news maybe you don't understand what this means I remember I had a family member who I was like now this is a choice but I love Fire Island and I'm like we could do Fire Island for the weekend and I kind of gave details I said but there are a lot of it's lots of gay men and they're all in tiny bikinis and this and that and they were like no we better not you know so (laughs) i always get up on tangents from where we're talking oh but that i like that other i like those two ladies having the drinks together and i was like oh that's a nice connection you know and i thought the uh, sharing glasser right like that she had a little bit of that fun wisdom to share Mm -hmm. um, of like they're gonna do it anyway like with any child you know it's like just hope they're safe and here, take some condoms and be supportive. And, you know, so, and that was a nice vibe that they had. I yeah. And, you know, my
1: mom reminds me more of Jennifer in the sense that like, she's always been supportive, but would never be like on the side of giving me supplies for sex. Like, right, right. you know, like, she's not gonna be like, here's your lube, but she, it's funny. Like, even now my mom, like, and dad will listen to some of these episodes. And I say to them, like, you know, I'm going to open up about my own personal experiences. Right. I love that you're supportive, but I don't need to, like, hear a lecture after you listen. And because they mean so well and they are so open. Like, my parents even went to Fire Island this summer with me for a nice. day trip. So, like, they're like, I love. we love Cherry Grove. We love the pizzeria. Like, Yay. I love the employee name so-and-so. So, like, they really are allies but again like i don't necessarily need my parents to investigate my sex life like that's
0: i hope they watch this one hi mom and dad i'll
1: i'll ask them too i don't think i i don't think i said anything that's too you know in depth like i didn't like tell them what kind of position i like to be in you know (laughs) i'll stop there
0: because then they won't listen you know certain things (laughs) yeah
1: well i want to end with you know um just what I've said about your book because I feel like it speaks so nicely to what you're doing in your own literature which is just opening up these um complex dynamics around queer men and their coupling and like that's what your whole book A Season in Delhi is about which is a gay couple's idyllic Indian journey and then there's something subversive and secretive and you know, infidelity entering the scene. And like we said, you know, when you bury those secrets and you don't communicate, shit can hit the fan real quickly. And that's definitely in your novel. Um, So, you know, what do you want to say just about what everyone can um, anticipate, what they can expect in a season in Delhi, um, all the things, Scott.
0: Yay, season in Delhi. And also come to the launch party. It's November 12th in New York City at Red Eye. Um, it um the book, also it's a tiny little book which is easy to carry. Uh it's um it's a novella, so it's it's a a little a shorter. Um, it has a lot of momentum. It does have complexity, and I love beauty of language and setting. You'll get to feel like you've been to Delhi. I I feel I really work at bringing Delhi India alive, and then. And I have a dual narrative where there's also a story of a woman, Carol, who was a scandalous um, expat, and a 1950s housewife living in the same bungalow in Delhi, India, having an affair with an Indian man um, and the danger of that. And as reviews and things came out, people really liked that dual narrative, which I was glad. Some people even like Carol's story, found it more exciting. Um so I, I'm happy with that because I, I liked that, yes, Brandt is the central gay character and the ups and downs they go through against, like this. And I went to Delhi twice. It's like the most fantastic, crazy, wonderful place. Um, and that, but also that then I balanced that with a woman's experience in the 50s, um, mm-hmm. which in some ways was. Was definitely more dangerous, you know, of like what she put herself through. So, yay, you know, read yeah, the book. No, it's so exciting.
1: And, um, you know, everyone can go to scottalexanderhess.com and you'll see my quote there, which is the reader is taken on a sensual, mythical journey into India. What awaits you is a queer, poetic experience that is reminiscent of E.M. Forster's A Passage to India, but much more erotic. And I stand behind that. Uh, so, Um, I'm so happy that, you know, everyone out there can get their hands on your book, Scott. Um, I'm going to, you know, be at your premiere. I don't know. This episode might be right after your party. So I'll make sure I clip out. I'll share the part where you talk about the party and I'll share it on Instagram. So everyone can like, you know, I'll spread the word for you, but I know we're going to have a great time and I can't wait to like be back you might have to like come back again or even like have your husband come on with you with a queer folk. and like hear your hear your differing opinions. Uh, yes. That would yeah. be so fun. Okay, well, Scott, how can everyone follow you on social media?
0: Um Scott Alexander Hess um is on I'm on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Um and you can always just Google Scott Alexander Hess and everything is there about me because I am there's not another Scott Alexander has so that's why I put well, the Alexander in there because it's easy to search in Google and find and um, yeah so yeah and what's that. exciting
1: is you also offer um, you know writing consulting you
0: right, right. I teach yes I teach fiction teach. Yep.
1: Yep. Yep. yep yeah so all, all things Scott yeah.
0: yeah no no go ahead yeah, I work, I do one-on-one with not, I work with a lot of novelists. So either in classes or one-on-one where they're writing a novel um, and it's like called mentoring and we work through, you know, to get them to the end of the book. Um, So oh, that's, that's always, all that's very rewarding and part of the, the writer's life journey, as I always say, mm-hmm. which is, which is great.
1: Well, so everyone, scottalexanderhess.com, get your hands on his new book, um, A Season in Delhi," And yeah, I had such a fun time, Scott.
0: This was great. It was amazing. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Of course, of course. Okay, well, bye, Scott, and bye to the audience out there. Until next time, until next episode. Let's see what happens. (laughs)